Welcome, Sports Squire community, to the second week of the Quick Clip Recap. Every week, we will be taking segments of previous episodes that we feel need to be strongly highlighted to help you along your personal wellness journey. Today is about the effects of not getting enough sleep and how that impacts your training, and also 10 steps you can take to get better sleep. The bites from this segment come from the sixth episode, What You Do Outside of Training Time is Equally Important to Your Results. So if you like what you hear and you want to go back and you haven't had a chance already to listen to that episode, I strongly encourage you to do so. Enjoy the quick clip recap. Um, I want you guys to bear with me with, but sleep, uh, you know, is one of the most, uh, it's, it's a very new topic. You know, it's, you, you see all over the place now, there's neurology groups that do sleep studies. They, um, you know, have, you know, more recently been digging into the health effects of um, good, regular, complete sleep within the different sleep cycles. And uh, I just want to touch a little bit on how sleep um, is so important to you and your training regimens and how that helps, um, you know, you essentially to, to be able to, to get up every day and to feel good and, and to have enough time to recover and, um, you know, regulate mood and, and do other things as well. But according to the National Institutes of Health, about one in three American adults do not get healthy amounts of sleep. That's crazy to me. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of us can think, oh, heck, I, I don't get very good sleep. I um, know for a fact that there are certain things that I've looked at throughout the, the years that, you know, have limited me from sleeping well, you know, whether that's, you know, going through some sort of a, a loss of a family member or a friend, something traumatic, um, you know, something that, you know, was creating some level of anxiety internally and, you know, uh, didn't allow me to shut my mind off. Uh, it could be, you know, me making poor decisions at night and watching, you know, a Netflix TV series as opposed to, you know, going to bed and, um, you know, getting prepared for the next day. But the best, the biggest thing to look at is, you know, what, how does sleep affect your recovery? You know, I think sleep quality before and after exercise is extremely important, but researchers are suspect, they suspect that it is in the deep sleep phase um, remember, there's different phases of your sleep. Um, you guys can look those up. I'm not going to get into the scientific backgrounds of those, but there's non-REM, and REM stands for rapid eye movement. You get into REM, and then there's diff- different types of waves that happen within your brain um, during different heart rate responses and respiratory responses while you're sleeping that allow you to progress through different phases of uh, your sleep cycle, which are extremely important for your overall health. But these researchers suspect that it is in the deep sleep phase that helps improve athletic performance because it is the time where growth hormone is most heavily released. So extremely important, um, you know, for you to be able to, um, you know, look at your sleep as a way to help you recover and also um, have hormones like the growth hormone um, that is, you know, extremely influential into muscle recovery and, um, you know, musculoskeletal development and all those different types of things. So what are the effects of sleep deprivation on athletic performance? And I say athletic performance because anything that you're going to do within training is considered athletic performance. Even if you're not an athlete and you are personal training for, for better personal wellness, um, you know, these are things uh, that will affect your uh, performance on anything if you have sleep depri- deprivation. Number one, slower muscle recovery. 
Number two, changes in mood. Three, increased level of stress hormones, including cortisol. Decreased aerobic endurance, which is kind of a result of having decreased glycogen synthesis, which is essentially um, you know, your body's ability to process um, sugar, which is the main uh, source of energy for aerobic capacity type exercises. Um, number five is increased rates of perceived exertion. So, you know, overall, you're going to, w- with a lack of sleep, you could be training, you know, very consistently, but if you're not getting good sleep, it could be affecting, you know, how you feel in regards to muscle soreness, um, your mood, you know, capacity and exertion perception. So all those things will play into, you know, how well your, your training program is progressing from one part of the week to the other part of the week. There was one study in 2009, so it showed that increased sleep was associated with a faster sprinting speed and hitting accuracy in college tennis players. Another study showed that increased uh, that the increased average number of hours per sleep for a group of basketball players from six and a half per night to nearly eight and a half per night improved their free throw shooting by 11.4 percent and their three point shooting by 13.7 percent. So that was intriguing to me, you know, looking at, you know, sprinters, college tennis players, and then accuracy of, of college basketball players, you know, to me, it only shows that if they're getting more sleep, which it looked to me from, you know, six and a half to eight and a half, they're getting on average two more hours of sleep. There's got to be some sort of cognitive uh, mental uh, improvements that are happening that are allowing them to focus on certain things. You know, me being a former college basketball player, I, I think about all the different steps um, that go into to shooting a free throw, or even shooting a three-point shot. And those were the things they were looking at from sleep. And if you don't get your feet set, if you don't get your elbow in, if you don't spread your fingers out, if you're not looking in, at your gaze at the rim in the right way, if you're not holding your follow-through, um, if there's not enough, you know, transfer from your lower body to your upper body, you know, if you're leaning to the left or right, if the ball's coming off of two fingers, uh, your first two fingers as opposed to your last two fingers. That makes a huge difference. So that attention to detail, um, to me, seems like it's improved because of the fact that we've shown that there's cognitive improvements with getting more sleep. So I thought that was a very interesting study. The rest of us, you know, exercise, you know, can certainly help our sleep. So the 2013 Sleep in America survey from the National Sleep Foundation found that regular exercise reporting that individuals got better quality sleep. So while those exercise vigorously reported the best sleep quality, even light exercises exercisers reported better sleep than those who did not exercise at all, which is no shock, right? I mean, if you exercise, you're going to sleep better. Additionally, non-exercisers are at a greater risk for sleep apnea. The same poll found that 44% of non-exercisers are at moderate risk for the disorder compared to only 19% of vigorous exercisers. Vigorous exercise, just to, just so you know, is, you know, it goes back to the, the heart rate. Um, you know, if, if you're getting your heart rate between that 60 to 80% uh, heart rate max, then that's considered, uh, you know, a level of vigorous exercise. Another, uh, you know, thing to consider elite athletes, so they're known to sleep 10 to 12 hours a night while training, and they nap throughout the day to maintain endurance. I think that that is, uh, you know, something that's it's very interesting to look at. I remember back in the day, uh, you know, when I would get up, you know, 5 a.m., we'd have, um, you know, shoot-arounds. 
Uh, we'd go to school, we'd have weightlifting in the middle of the day, and then we would go to practice, you know, for two hours, you know, after, after our, our courses were over. And when you looked at the day, I mean, I was just exhausted. And I always found some opportunity to, um, you know, nap between those times. And, you know, this is, this is showing that, um, you know, with some of these athletes, that recovery, that muscle recovery, the mood regulation, the aerobic endurance capacity, all of those things that have shown um, to be, um, you know, affecting athletic performance when you get sleep deprivation can be reversed when you, when you do get sleep. Um, so very interesting there for elite athletes and, and their requirements and how they're a bit different than just us, uh, you know, everyday individuals. But, uh, you know, the systematic reviews on sleep research over the last 20 years has shown that the least amount of health issues arise in individuals who get between seven to seven and a half hours of sleep every night. It also speaks to the quality of sleep as there are several stages of sleep that allow for a full progression through those stages without disruption. And that if you get through those stages without disruption, that can help cognitive function, mood regulation, and hormone regulation. We talked a little bit about deep sleep and, and growth hormone being released. There's other hormones as well that, that can positively impact you. Studies have shown that medications are only a short-term fix to some individuals who have sleeping problems. So a lot of you out there may, may struggle from sleeping issues. And, uh, you know, you may go see a doctor and, and they may prescribe you some sort of, uh, uh, you know, a, a narcotic or um, there's some that, that prescribe antidepressants that if you can control the dosing can help uh, from a sleeping uh, sedative type standpoint. But those are just short term band-aids because, you know, long term, any type of medication that you're taking, the, uh, the dosage over time is going to become, you know, less effective and less effective. And, you know, what they've shown is that, you know, the most impactful thing for those individuals who have sleeping issues or issues going to sleep is this this whole cognitive behavioral therapy uh, platform. And, you know, it's, it's more of a long-term way of helping to improve quality of sleep. And, you know, essentially what it does is it allows you to cognitively, so when you talk about cognitive behavioral therapy, when you think about something um, it should help to change your behavior. And if, if it's helping to change your behavior, then um, it should be helping to, you know, reduce anxieties, um, any type of things that are, are resisting you from going to sleep. So, you know, what I did is I did a little bit of research for you all, um, and, and I wanted to, to talk through, uh, now that we kind of know the research and the stats behind what is so important, why it's so important to go to sleep, all the different things that you know, can, can negatively impact your sleep. Um, I want to talk to you about some proactive ways in which you can get better sleep. And if you go to the American Cancer Society, they wrote a blog and it's on the 10 recommended tips for a good night's sleep. You know, part of the reason the Cancer Society is writing this blog is, um, you know, sadly enough, you know, some people that have cancer struggle to sleep, but also they've linked, um, and they're not really sure why, they've linked, you know, people who, who don't sleep well to higher risks of certain types of cancers. So, um, you know, this can be found on the American Cancer Society, you know, blog that they wrote. But 10 recommendations for tips for a good night's sleep. Number one, go to sleep at the same time each night and get up at the same time each morning, even on the weekends. This is something that, you know, I, I know I am not very disciplined at. I, uh, I absolutely love it when I go to bed early and I get up early and I've gotten so much done before my day actually 
officially starts, you know, with, you know, getting, uh, you know, kid ready for school, breakfast ready, getting ready to go to work, um, you know, starting the day out. There's nothing, not a better feeling than knowing that I can have that consistency, but that's something that, you know, I personally have always struggled with. And obviously on the weekends as well, like, you know, I think we all want to give ourselves a little bit of a break and we tend to try to sleep in uh, as long as we as we possibly can, knowing that we, we don't necessarily have that luxury during the week. Uh, but consistency and sleep schedule is number one, the most important thing. Number two, don't take naps after 3 p.m. and don't nap longer than 20 minutes. There's been studies that have shown that napping longer than 20 minutes uh, can, can ruin your circadian rhythm. Um, I don't know about you guys, but you know, I would love to take a nap. Uh, you know, before 3 p.m., I'm just not sure. I mean, I guess you got to go hide in your car somewhere if you're working um, in order to get some shut-eye. But uh, I don't see it at this stage in my life getting very many naps. But maybe for some of you uh, college-aged uh, individuals out there or, uh, you know, retired individuals, maybe you can rub that in for the rest of us. Number three is staying away from caffeine and alcohol late in the day. So it's been shown that Caffeine and alcohol have uh, different effects on your central nervous system, which can affect basically your ability to calm and your ability to, uh, you know, kind of get things going or, or to, to regulate your circadian rhythm. So, you know, avoiding those things uh, late in the day can, can really help. For avoiding nicotine completely, you know, obviously nicotine is a stimulant. While it's in your system, it's going to raise your blood pressure and your heart rate. And so that's, that's not a, uh, you know, a good setting for trying to get exercise is amazing, but if you're exercising two or three hours, you know, prior to bedtime that can have reverse effects because of all of those neurotransmitters that we talked about in previous episodes being released that are exciting your brain, um, and kind of giving you almost a sense of adrenaline rush. Um, so you definitely want to try to avoid, you know, sleeping two to three hours or sorry, avoid exercise two to three hours before bedtime. Number six is don't eat a heavy meal late in the day. Light snacks are okay, but essentially having a heavy meal can force your digestive system to to be at work. And, you know, you essentially don't want to, you know, you know, put that type of stress on your body right before going to bed. So typically um, what I've heard from, from uh, most people being someone, individual who had his gallbladder removed because of a couple different gallbladder attacks, you know, I was in encouraged and educated not to eat two to three hours um, before bedtime. And to me, it, it really made a, a, a world of a difference with my sleep um, and with just how I felt when I was waking up in the mornings as well. Number seven is make your bedroom comfortable, dark, quiet, and not too warm or cold. Uh, I I don't know about a lot of you, but like I, if I had a preference, and I know a lot of you out there are married, have significant others, you know, you've got someone else that you've got to convince um, you know, for me, I, I could get rid of the TV 100% and be in a dark room with a sound machine, and I would be out in minutes. Um, and, and I thank God every day that I have the ability to go to sleep. That is because of the fact that I, I regularly exercise and have, you know, a clear conscience and, and things as I go to bed. But, um, you know, that, that comfortable setting uh, is something to think about. If you're in your bedroom and your bedroom is cluttered and there's crap all over the place, uh, that's probably not going to make you feel very good. So, you know, try picking your room up, cleaning your room up, making that, that setting a little bit more comfortable and, uh, and see if that makes a big difference for you. Number eight is following a routine to help you relax before you go to sleep. So reading, listening to music, you know, turning off the TV and other screens at least an hour before bedtime. 
I know in today's age, you know, a lot of the reading that we do tends to be on our iPhones or our Androids. Um, if that is something that you do, which I personally do do um, before bed, there is a, you know, a, a setting on your phone where you can, you know, essentially change it to sleep mode where it'll decrease the lighting. Um, so it's not giving you the same level of stimulation that a normal screen would, and it won't keep you awake longer. It allows you to, to kind of get your, your eyes adjusted just like you were reading a book. So something that's a, a quick tip that you could do there as well. Um, number nine is don't lay in bed. If you can't fall asleep after 20, 20 um, sorry, don't lie in bed awake. You can lie in bed, but don't lie in bed awake. If you can't fall asleep after 20 minutes, do something calming until you feel sleepy, like reading or listening to soft music. One of the things I've found, and some people do a lot better job of reading, I'm a morning person, so at night I struggle and uh, to, to, to really get into the mode, but to help you know get my mind off of the day um, and off of things, I do enjoy reading, whether that's on my phone or a book that I'm reading, and what I found is that I can't make it 10, 15 minutes before I'm like drooling on myself uh, because my brain is just you know, able to relax and, and get me into that, that relaxation mode so much quicker. So that's definitely something you should try out. And then number 10, for the more serious cases out there, you know, obviously talking with a doctor can help you continue if you're, if you're having sleeping trouble. Um, you know, some of us have kids that are out there. I thought this was a very interesting point that the average teen needs about nine hours of sleep a night. So children and teens who do not get that much sleep have shown through studies to have problems with getting along with others feeling angry and impulsive, having mood swings, feeling sad or depressed, or lack motivation. They also may have problems paying attention and may get lower grades and feel stressed. So I know a lot of you, like myself, uh, you know, part of our personal journeys is, is improving you know, our ability to influence our children and uh, having good habits that you're getting your children into as well. To me, you know, really can help you get structured as well. You know, th- there shouldn't be a lack of reciprocity when it comes to, you know, getting your children on schedules and getting them eating well and doing things, but not doing that for yourself as well. So, you know, take advantage of those bedtimes uh, of getting your kids to bed to also structure yourself so that you're getting into a little bit more of a consistent routine. Thank you for listening to the Sports Squire podcast. Check out the show notes for anything you missed during today's episode. Click subscribe if you haven't already to ensure you get updates on the latest Sports Squire episodes. And remember, as a Sports Squire, your greatest self is found at the intersection of knowledge and action. Don't be normal, be a Sports Squire.